Hi, and welcome to Film Forums. I'm Richard Williams, creator of this platform, a place dedicated to the filmmaking community. We interview members of the film industry to find out what it really takes to make a movie, bring a script to screen, or secure their acting role. If that sounds good to you, please subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on your favourite podcasting platform. Thank you. Welcome to Film Forums. My name is Aisha Bailey and I'm here with a special guest. Could you introduce yourself for me? Hi guys, I'm Alex Walton-Regan. I'm an actress and I'm a little bit of a writer and I'm a voiceover artist as well. Fantastic. So how did you get into acting? What was your journey? Um, I never really wanted to do anything else. I have to be honest. I was one of those kind of precocious and slightly annoying four-year-olds who made everyone stop what you're doing and look at me and my one woman rendition of Sleeping Beauty. Um, so I never really wanted to do anything else. Then I think I kind of took like Saturday drama classes when I was about eight. And then I continued that throughout my teens. I went to Sylvia Young, which is a, a theater school here. And then when I was 18, I was like, right, that's it. That's my turn to go to drama school. I never really looked back, uh, but I never wanted to do anything else. So where was it that you studied? I went to the drama studio in Ealing, which is just literally across the road from Ealing Film Studios. And it was great. It was an 18-month postgrad course. And I think what was really good about the curriculum at the time, I mean, this is going back 10 years, but they had an incredible amount of classes focusing on the different disciplines. So stage work, movement, film and TV, radio, they, they really covered it all. They prepared us really well to be actors. When you came out of there, what was your next steps? Well, I mean, I immediately went and got a job in a bar, obviously, and then a pub and a restaurant just to pay my rent. Um, uh, I was, do you know what? I was very lucky because I had actually been in a school production when I was 17. This agent there from a company called BWH, who were a very well established agency, they came along to watch me in that and they actually signed me up as a teenager. And then I went to drama school and I stayed with BWH after drama school. So I was really lucky that I was already represented. But then it was just a question of doing the kind of earning your stripes work. So doctors, casualty, the bill, if anyone remembers the bill, you know, it was kind of about earning your stripes and working your way up, I guess. I've never been this close to him before. You want to leap? Well, let's hope your clients are big tippers. It doesn't work that way. You do this job for five years, make next to nothing. But when you're done, they put you on board. They have ways to do it. Who, the clubs? Well, the syndicates who own the clubs, obviously. Oh, illegally, too, obviously. Oh, forget about it. I don't know what I'm telling you. I mean, you, you do know what that's like, don't you? Well, we all need a dream, don't we? dream what was it you know inspired you to go from like just television to cinema everyone wants to be in cinema I suppose is the honest truth you get to a stage in your career where you have enough power to say no to a project or to field different projects and choose what you're doing and that generally comes a little later on in life initially when you're starting out you're so excited to be working and you're so lucky to be working when you've got other friends who maybe aren't booking for example you have a tendency to kind of grab onto everything and say yes because you have the energy to do it you have the time to do it 
And it's really exciting. And it's a great way of making friends. Yeah. I remember meeting some producers, maybe my third feature film. And now he's like a huge big wig at Netflix, you know, and doing loads of different projects for them. And you sort of rise up through the ranks with people. Um, but unless it involves, you know, some seriously questionable things, which I will leave to your imagination, uh, but unless it involves seriously questionable things, I think it's okay to say yes, yes to stuff when you're starting out, you know, and just sort of embrace it all. What's your take on doing, for example, um, unpaid work? It's a really good question. Um, I did a load of unpaid work when I was starting out, short films, student films, it allowed me to build a showreel. So it depends how kind of how badly and how quickly you want to build that showreel. Of course, in an ideal world, all artists would be paid, by which I mean actors, writers, makeup artists, directors. We'd, we'd all be being paid to create. But unfortunately, until we live in that world, I think you kind of have to weigh up your options. But, you know, like I said, before I really started working, I worked a day job in a restaurant and a night job in a pub. And because I had those two jobs, I could do the unpaid work. And also everyone loved the glamour of me being a, you know, 23 year old actress. I was like, I can't come in today. I have an audition. I've booked a job. I will be gone for 24 hours. Very dramatically announcing that. And if, you know, it was probably an unpaid student film. I had a man who saw his wife for the first time in 20 years. Cried so hard, I almost cried. Oh yeah? Seriously, this whole experience is incredible. Thank you for being so understanding. I'm making a list of ways you're gonna make it up to me when you get back. Oh, wait. Wasn't that our turn? Excuse me? Everything okay? Yeah, I don't really know what's going on. Where are you going? But yeah, so tell us about your recent project. So I'm in a film called A Nightmare Wakes, which is written and directed by an American director called Nora Uncle. Uh, I get to play Mary Shelley. And the idea of the film is about how Mary Shelley created the story of Frankenstein and kind of the trials and the tribulations and the turmoils and the heartache that Mary had to go through to bring us this incredible piece of literature, which we still read even today in school. I think it's still on the GCSE syllabus or something, you know, and it's read all around the world and translated into hundreds of different languages. But she really was someone very special. And so it was a real honor to play her. And yeah, it's called A Nightmare Wakes. You can see it on Shudder that I'm sure most people watching will know about. Yeah, and you can get that via Amazon as well, I believe, right? Yeah, you can. Yeah, no, um, that's cool. I saw the adverts for that. It's interesting. Do you have anything lined up just now? Before Christmas, I did two really nice TV jobs, which was great. I did a job called Tailspin opposite Uma Thurman in my best American accent. Terrifying when you're acting opposite an actual American screen icon. <laughs> so... Um, but I was really lucky that I got to do a Tailspin before Christmas. And actually, I got to do another project, interestingly, about Mary Shelley's mother, who was called Mary Wollstonecraft. It's a BBC Two documentary. It's, it's about the history of art and culture over the last 800 years uh, in Britain and how that kind of art and history and culture, they come together and they all weave together in this kind of melting pot 
to create where we are now today in society. Fantastic. That's, that sounds amazing. Do you know when that would be available? Or I mean, both of them, Tailspin's still shooting and the BBC Two thing's just wrapped. Obviously, you were filming during this uh, pandemic then. How was that? Like, what are the differences in how a film set runs at the moment? Well, you spend many days ahead of your actual filming being taken to base or to set to have a cotton bud stuck up your nose and down the back of your throat. So just check whether you've got COVID. Um, that's the kind of glaring difference. And then on set, you know, people are really careful about wearing masks or wearing visors, especially around the actors, if we can't have a mask or a visor. And generally speaking, you can't because you've had your hair and your makeup done. So, so there's kind of hierarchies of people who can and can't get onto the set around actors as much for their safety as for ours. Because of course I could have COVID potentially and not know about it, but obviously I'm not wearing a mask. So I'm not able to protect the grip or the gaffer or whoever, you know? So everyone's just very careful, very cautious, two meters as much as possible, ventilation. But I just felt so lucky to be working, you know, because of course, 2020 was on the whole a very quiet and slightly disturbed year for everyone. And so if you are lucky enough to be working, I mean, kind of grab it with both hands and say thank you, I guess. Wait. You'll need this. What for? Vlogging. It's all about content these days. Ping it all to me, I'll pick out the good bits and I'll put it all online. It's all the rage. Why? Well, it's all about the social media. Oh my God, you have heard of social media, haven't you? Does it make money? Can do, not likely. You mentioned that you also do writing. Um, is that screenwriting or is that more novels? So I started out mainly with poetry actually, because I love poetry. Then moving more into screenwriting, only short films at this point, but I have written a couple of short films. I'm sure both of them are terrible, but that's fine because it's also an exercise in itself. Well, it's kind of also creative exercise in itself, right? You have to learn how to write, you know, it's a job as much as acting, but I like to think I get a little bit better every time I try. And of course, being an actor, I read a ton of scripts, which I'm really, lucky to have access to so it makes you think about oh this is really interesting oh i like the technique that they've employed oh i like how they did that and actually what i find really fascinating and this is a tip that i would give any actors watching this right now get a script read it it could be anything let's say eternal sunshine of the spotless mind right read the script how do you imagine it how do you say it how do you visualize it and then go and watch the film and it's so interesting because it'll always be different it won't be better or worse, but you'll learn something, you know? And I think that's a really powerful exercise to kind of take into account. You know, I audition a lot, but of course I don't always book the job, no actor does, but I still like to go and watch the actor that got it and be like, ah, oh, okay, I see why they cast her. Okay, I get, I get it was a different vibe or energy or age or it's always interesting, it's always learning and learning's always interesting. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. And I think that it's a really important exercise because obviously who is chosen to direct and who's chosen as DOP massively affects the, you know, the outcome of the film, you know, and, and what it looks like visually. You know, and, and you mentioned auditions there, you know, and, and not always getting every audition as no actor does, obviously. What's your strategy for dealing with rejection? Terrible at it. <laughs> it's like 
I always, I, I wish, I wish I came to these interviews with like a really zen. I wish I was, like, I wish I was like AJ. I've just look, I've just discovered meditation. Okay, and it's everything. Not at all. I get an audition. I get into a funk and a flap, either because I want it too much or I don't want it enough. Nothing's ever right or perfect. And then I send it in. And then I think I could have done that better. I could have done that better. And then if you get the job, you're like, wow, was no one else available? Because why did they pick me? Or sometimes you get the job and you're like, yes, that was a good audition. I, I deserved that job. And of course, a lot of the time you don't get the job and you're like, how, how? Could they not see how good my tape was? How could they not see? And then you find out it went to someone really, really famous, like an Oscar winner. I don't know, Carrie Mulligan or Kira Knightley or something. And you're like, oh, okay, there's, there's, yeah, I see what I see what happened there. I don't deal very well with rejection, but I think the one thing I have learned, kind of growing up a little bit in the industry, is um, accept that it's never personal. It is very, very, very rarely personal as to why you won't book a job. So try not to take it personally. They may have gone for someone older, younger, taller, shorter, thinner, fatter, funnier, more serious, who knows. But if they've asked to see you, you get to assume that they're interested in whatever it is that you have to offer and will bring to the table. So try and hold on to that. But have you thought about producing anything that you've been writing? Yes, I have. Um, so many people have said I should produce because I'm naturally very kind of organized as it is and good at getting stuff done. But I just, I see the pain that my producer friends go through. And I just think, do I want that pain in my life? I don't know. You know, I have so much respect for the producers. It's unreal. I think they have a really hard job. Um, and I would like to produce at some point, but I'd like to produce underneath other producers who really know what they're doing. That, that would be the dream. Um, have you attended film festivals? And how has that experience been, if you have? Yes, I have. Uh, I've been to Cannes quite a few times, uh, which is very big and very glamorous. And everyone looks very lovely and it's very European and and then I've been to TIFF um, with a film called The Wife that I was in. And TIFF is kind of somewhere between what I, I imagine an American film festival to be. I've been to the Los Angeles Film Festival. TIFF is obviously Canadian. So it's kind of somewhere between Europe and LA, I guess. That's really fun. Everyone was really nice. Uh, they have a great selection of films. So I've done, yeah, I've done a few. And then I've been to a few in London, obviously, as well. I think the European ones are probably the most glamorous. How did you find the networking opportunities that the film festivals provided you as an actor? If I'm honest, not that sensational. I think it's more about the films. I kind of think that's okay, you know, because that's why we're all there, right? We're all interested in cinema. I think it's right that a lot of the focus is on the films and the filmmakers because if you think about where the actor comes in the process, it's quite far down the line from commissioning a script, writing a script, getting it up to speed, attaching a director, having the right production company on board and so on and so forth. What I would say though, is if you are an actor who already knows a fair few people in the business, then what's great about going to a film festival is that you get to see them there again, and speak to them and hang out with them and rack their brains and maybe have a drink or a meal or something like that. 
And I think that's a really good way of getting to know people in a more personal aspect, away from set, away from work, you know? And I think that's a lovely thing about film festivals. I'm not allowed to take dangerous weapons onto the plane. We are reenacting the Battle of Agincourt on Wednesday morning. These items are forbidden. This is racism, isn't it? I'm sorry. Are you going to let us on board with the swords or not? No. What are we meant to do? Leave them here? Perhaps you have a wife or girlfriend who could come and pick them up for you? We cannot accurately recreate the Battle of Agincourt without authentic weaponry! I'm sorry. I cannot help you. Well, thank you so much. Um, what I wanted to ask was just your final piece of advice for an aspiring actor. Um, what would it be? My final piece of advice for an aspiring actor would be make the work personal to you, but know that what you get back from the industry is never personal. That's really good advice. That's you know, literally a quote. Like, we're going to put that on Twitter. I'm not even joking. <laughs> can you you might you might need to say it back to me at some point there because i've already forgotten it but it felt it was good i i guess what i mean is it has to be personal to you because you have to love what you do but when you get faced with that rejection or that ambivalence or that cold hard shoulder don't take it personally because it's not and you just keep doing you thanks for listening please subscribe to us on youtube and follow us on your favorite podcasting platform Visit film-forums.com for more.